Well, amen. Hope you're enjoying the sunshine today. A whole lot better than last week, raining on us. I've got a word that I've been really ready to preach since Monday. The Lord gave it to me. I want to preface the message, if I can, for just a minute um, to let you know that we're going to bring the worship team back uh, at the end of our time together. We're going to open the altars. There's going to be a a chance for you to respond to this word because I believe, I believe that God wants to do something in your life. The obstacle in all of that is our own pride to say that we don't need his help. Nothing could be further from the truth. We need his help every day. Our sermon series that we're in currently is called The Promise of Deliverance. Today we look at the story of the plagues in Exodus. The sermon title for today is Pharaoh Falls. Pharaoh Falls. Those two words in and of itself carry a lot of weight and a lot of power when you begin to consider what was going on in that time of human history. Egypt being the mightiest of nations, Pharaoh being the the leader of that nation, and yet somehow, someway, in a supernatural fashion, a couple of million slaves overcame a nation by the power of God. What we'll find today is that this story, while a narrative in the Old Testament carrying a lot of power in and of itself, standing alone, will show you and me layers upon layers of application to our very own lives. Because I believe that if Pharaoh falls then, then the enemy of your soul today, Satan himself, will fall in this room before we're done. The 10 plagues of Egypt were all connected to spiritual strongholds. I'll be teaching more on that kind of as a commercial on Wednesday night this coming week. But what you need to know is that God in that time took each God, each spiritual stronghold of Egypt and brought a plague that stole the power of all of those gods of Egypt that showed in one fail swoop that Egypt and all its gods could never stand against the one true God, the great I am. I've often said before that any God under any other name, is a demon. For now, I'd like to approach this message differently than I had originally planned. I believe the Lord is calling me to preach a message of deliverance. I'm expecting God to show us in this story a direct line of connection how Pharaoh kept Israel in bondage, how the plagues dealt with those things and can deal with some things maybe in our own lives 
The imagery, the symbolism, more, most importantly, the whole of Scripture is about one thing, Jesus. It is my hope and my prayer to make much of Jesus and what He wants to do in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm expecting God to show us in this story what binds us and how we can be free. In John chapter 8, Jesus declares, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He goes on to say, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. It is my hope and my prayer as the first message of the birthday of the church in Acts chapter 2, as it was preached with power and authority and anointing by the apostle Peter, as he got done preaching, the people yelled out, what are we supposed to do now? Our hearts are burning within us. He said, repent and be baptized. I hope and pray that this message cuts to the heart. I hope and pray that even now, before we really get into the message, that something within you is beginning to stir. I hope and pray that all of us today leave here changed. Jesus states in Luke chapter 19 that he came to seek and to save those who are lost. Most importantly, the text says those who know they are lost. <laughs> Mark 2, 17 Jesus says again, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. He says, I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they're sinners. Oftentimes when sharing the gospel with someone, the response is, I'm a good person. Which is not true. Jeremiah the prophet says that the heart of man is inherently wicked. Jesus himself declared that there is no one good, no, not one. So today the challenge is not, are we good? The challenge is, have we acknowledged that we're sinners? Because that's who Jesus came to save. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Move in this place. Open ears, open hearts, and silence the voice of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today's story is about Moses. It's found in the book of Exodus. But Moses being a type of Jesus, Paul refers to him in several places of his letters, saying that Moses did this and yet Jesus did that, that Moses was able to accomplish this, yet Jesus did the eternal work. For your consideration, let's talk about a few of those. Moses was called to rescue the people from slavery, but Jesus rescued us from slavery to sin. 
Moses told people about their need for a Passover lamb. Jesus was in himself the, per the perfect lamb of God. Moses made a way of salvation for God's people through the Red Sea. Jesus is the way for eternal salvation through the cross soaked red by his blood. Moses stood as the mediator between God and Israel. Jesus stands right now as a mediator for us before the Father in heaven. We all need to be thankful that Jesus stands in the way. Not because God hates us, but because our sin is our destruction. And our Savior has saved us from that destruction. Make no mistake, this message has been heavy upon my heart and have sensed that there was much resistance in the spirit realm. We recognize it, we pray against it, and we move forward. So I want to declare again that I have asked the Holy Spirit to come and I have asked that distractions be removed and I wanna say out loud, standing behind this pulpit, that in the name of Jesus, devil, you are to be silent and you are to be removed. And if you're here and you need to be free, I believe that by the power of God, there's gonna be a window right now for you to hear this message. With that in mind, I believe we can find out how Satan has kept, up, kept us in bondage by looking at how Pharaoh kept the Israelites in bondage. Who was Pharaoh? Well, Pharaoh is the one who steals away your future. He literally declared the killing of Israelite babies to try to take away their legacy, their future, their power. Pharaoh tried to steal the promise of God from the Israelite people. In our nation today, we still have babies dying in wounds all over the country because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has been at war against the seed of woman since Genesis chapter three. In the beginning, he had one objective, to destroy humanity, and it's the same today. The question, friend, I want you to ask yourself, are you going to just lay there and take it? Are you just gonna allow him to walk all over you and your family and your generation that follows you? Or are you going to stand and be delivered today? The progression of Satan to steal first, to steal your hope. Without hope, there's no point in living, which is his second objective to kill. A hopeless person doesn't want to keep going on because they don't see a future. They don't see a plan. They don't see a path. They find themselves utterly lost and hopeless. And if he can steal your hope, then he can kill your body and ultimately destroy your eternity. Pharaoh is the one who steals away your future. Pharaoh is the, that thing that won't let you go. 
Come on. Somebody walked in here today with that thing that won't let you go. And I declare today that you can be free by the truth of the gospel. Romans 6 tells us that sin enslaves those who don't follow God's plan for their lives. Want to be free? Start obeying God. Change your life. Hebrews 12.1 encourages us to run the race for the glory of God, laying aside the sin that easily entangles us. That literally keeps us in bondage. Here's the thing. That whole passage of Scripture that Paul is writing to encourage people to run, run the race. Sin that easily entangles us, the picture that we have sometimes is wrong, that we kind of are running along and doing the best we can for the Lord, and then Satan puts a, a rope across our path or, or something across our path, and we just unknowingly stumble into it. Listen, that's not what's happening. What's happening is you and I are choosing to tie our shoelaces together and try to run anyway. That is the sin that easily entangles you. What is that thing that won't let you go? You are not tripping, you are tying those shoelaces together and trying to run. Make no mistake, friend, sin is a choice, not an accident. Pharaoh is the hard heart that refuses to listen to God's commands. The reason why I've prayed so hard, the reason why I've made that declaration is because my hope is that your heart be softened to the word to receive. We sit there with our chins in the air and our arms crossed thinking we don't have a need for this word. Well, in Ezekiel 36, God gives us the remedy to hard-heartedness. Beginning in verse 25, it says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You will no longer worship idols, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Just to make sure that you caught what this is saying. The remedy to a hard heart is to be full of the Spirit. The remedy to a hard heart is to be full of the Spirit. A hard heart during this church age comes from rebellion and refusal to listen to the prompting of the Lord. The less you listen, the harder it will become to hear. The less you listen, the harder it will become to hear. I remember growing up, I'm a pastor's kid, I remember growing up and, and hearing this idea that when you rebel and ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that voice gets further and further away and a little bit harder to discern and to hear. And that is so true, friend, I want you to know. This is why we have people murdering and maiming and not feeling guilty about it at all because they have ignored the voice of God so long that they can't even hear the conviction. Keep doing it. Keep walking in sin. Keep choosing to ignore the voice of the Lord. At some point, you're not gonna be able to hear it anymore.
God help us. I thank God for what he's doing on universities around this world, around this nation. Those denominations that have lost their way are starting to remember what it was all about. But can I tell you something? We don't need to duplicate or replicate any of that. God's got something fresh for us today, amen? The same Holy Spirit that is there is here. Pharaoh is the ruler over every detail of your life. Colossians chapter three, two says that we are to set our mind on things above, not on the things of this world. You see, if the devil can keep us watching the wind and the waves, we will never see what Jesus has called us to accomplish. We read in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 30, that Peter saw the strong wind and became terrified and began to sink. Now, in that, in that passage of Scripture, well, looking all the way back to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's job was to keep the Israelites overworked and burdened and every detail of their daily lives would leave no room for worship, no room for fellowship, no room for the things of God because they were too busy building his kingdom. Let me tell you, there are a lot of people today that are busy building the, the kingdom of darkness and forgotten about God altogether. And the devil is trying to keep you busy doing what he wants you to do and you're missing completely what God is calling you to do. If he can keep you busy working on the things that are temporal and just here for a season, things of this world, the wealth you're accumulating, you cannot take it with you. Peter looks out there across the storm and says, Jesus, call me to come to you. Jesus calls him, he gets out of the boat and begins to walk on water. Then he saw the strong wind and became terrified. That's the process. You take your eyes off of Jesus and then fear creeps in. And when fear creeps in, you begin to sink. But here's the hope today. The Bible says immediately Jesus reached out. You know, we don't see in that story Jesus standing there letting Peter learn his lesson. We see Jesus immediately grabbing a hold of Peter and saving him. That is the heart of our Savior, to not leave you in your sin, to not leave you in your mess. When you call out to him, he will respond. Pharaoh is the enslaver and master, making your life miserable. When you're depressed, you drink. It numbs it for a moment and makes you feel even more depressed. And when it passes, you're more depressed that you did that when you were depressed. So you need to drink to numb the depression. When you feel unloved, you give your body away, feeling even less valued and unloved than you did before. When you feel alone, you immerse yourself in a crowd or on social media to find that being alone is something internal. But the hope today is it's not something eternal. Jesus can give you comfort. Pharaoh is the persecutor declaring more and more loyalty, constantly asking for more of you. Friends, I think of the demoniac in, in the, near the 10 towns and the Gadarenes who was on the cave 
Pharaoh is constantly demanding more and more of the Israelites. Well, Satan is constantly demanding more and more of your life. And if you give him a little bit, he's just going to want more. I think of that person that was demon-possessed on that hillside who was already naked and broke, cutting himself with stones, the Bible says, but Satan still wasn't happy because he wasn't completely destroyed. He will not stop until you're dead, until he's stolen everything from you. And as soon as you become unuseful, he's done. Can I tell you, there must be a holy fire within us today to say enough is enough. We have had it. We will not give our children and our family and our time and our money to the kingdom of darkness anymore. Pharaoh's days are over. Pharaoh is that doubter in the one true God. Imagine this for a moment. If faith is the evidence of the unseen, and it is, then what we see draws us away from faith and brings doubt. If faith is the evidence of the unseen, then what we see robs us of our faith. We see the bills, not the provider. We see the sickness, not the healer. We see the strife, not the prince of peace. We see the suffering and the sadness, not the comforter. Friend, don't follow in the way of Pharaoh, please. The end result was God dealing with him in a very painful way. Repent now and turn to God while there's still time. Pharaoh lost his army, his firstborn, his workforce, and his nation. Why? Because he failed to obey the commands of the Lord. Do not follow that mindset. Do not follow the enemy. Secondly, we're going to look at the plagues. What I believe God has shown me is that each of these plagues deals with something not only in Egypt, but it deals with something in your life today and my life today, something that we're facing or struggling with. If the message is deliverance, then pay attention for just a moment. I believe that the Lord is wanting to speak to you about your struggle. The first plague was dealing with the Nile, God dealing with what we drink. Can I tell you, the Scripture reminds us that we are not to be given to strong drink The scripture tells us that we are not to be drunk with wine, but to be full of the Holy Spirit. And in our nation especially, alcoholism is not just a pandemic, it's a disease above all else. But can I tell you something? The same God that can set you free and heal you from cancer, the same God that can set you free and heal you from depression is the same God that can heal you of your alcoholism. And if you find yourself running to the bottle when you should be running into prayer, you got a problem and you need deliverance. Satan wants nothing more to keep you in bondage to that thing. God dealing with what we drink. I serve a God that can give you joy everlasting. You see, the Israelites were able to get water from a rock. The cornerstone, Jesus Christ himself, will give you refreshing times. 
The plagues also, God dealing with what we worship. Dealing with what we worship. I love this. Did you know that four of the gods, or half of the gods, the male gods in Egypt were frogs? So God sent a plague with frogs and said, you want to worship frogs? Here's a bunch of them. I'm telling you, those poor Egyptians never want to see a frog again in their life, and here they are stuck with half of them are frogs. They're gods. Every time they go to church, they got to see a frog. Not only that, but God in the very first encounter with Pharaoh dealt with the other half of the gods, which guess what they represent? The female gods in the Egyptian, uh, in the Egyptian nation were snakes. They had heads of snakes. So what happened? Moses and Aaron walked into Pharaoh's courts, dropped a staff on the ground. It became a snake. The magicians followed suit. They dropped their staffs on the ground. They became a snake. But what happened was is Moses and Aaron, their staff, went and ate up the other snakes because God is God. In that moment, he dealt with what the Egyptians were worshiping. He showed Israel, y'all don't need to mess around with these gods. I am has come to take you out of here. God dealing with what we fake. This next one was a plague the plague of gnats. The dust was struck, it was kicked up, and it became gnats all over the country, all over the area. You see, this was called the finger of God by the magicians because they couldn't do that. Only God could, because only God can create life. The devil can manipulate it. Things like artificial intelligence and cloning and immortality hopes. You see, the only people that want to live forever are the people that know that hell's on the other side. I'm going to live forever with Jesus. And these magicians, they couldn't create life. They could only manipulate it, distort it. The third plague, God is dealing with what we compromise in. Hear me, church. This is the plague where God separated the land of Goshen, which is where the Israelites live, from the rest of Egypt. In this moment until the end, the Egyptians only suffered these plagues and the Israelites were kept safe. This was the moment of separation. And we see this throughout the scriptures that God is commanding, demanding, calling us to separation. We are in the world, yet not of it. We are set apart. We are a holy nation. We are peculiar people. We are not to be like them. How can we say I've given my heart to Christ and still go back and do the same thing that we were doing but when we were lost in our sin? There's gotta be a difference. There's gotta be a, to a time and place where we begin to make a change and we see fruit in our life. God's dealing with what we compromise in. The next plague, the plague of the livestock. I believe that God was dealing with what we eat. Before you think I'm going to roll out some kind of a food pyramid or special fast, it's not going to happen. But I do want to tell you that many people are in bondage to food. It's another habit, another idol, another obstacle that must be overcome. It's the thing that gives us comfort when we should be seeking the comforter. God dealing with what we eat. 
The next plague was the plague of boils and sickness. That's God dealing with false religion. You see, the, magi the magicians couldn't help because they couldn't even stand in front of Pharaoh. The Bible tells us that they didn't even want, they hid. They hid away. Why? Because if they, they couldn't stand in front of Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, God's not powerful. Don't worry about this. Because as they're standing there, they're covered in disease and boils and scratching. Because you know what? God is powerful. God is the most powerful. And he's going to set those people free. The magician's hypocrisy was over. They knew the gig was up and Pharaoh was falling. Today, we find people running to false religion, religion that has just been there for hundreds and even thousands of years just because it always has been. One of the greatest obstacles we find in the church today is that people are used to doing it this way and they're not used to experiencing the full gospel message of the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has been robbed out of churches all over our nation and when we're exposed to it, we get, wait, what is this? I've never seen this before. I've never experienced this before. I'm used to church being an hour long and boring and in Latin. You mean I can pray to Jesus? I don't have to make a, an, an appointment with the confession booth? Yes. He died for that. I'm telling you, I'd be all kind of beside myself if I had to wait for somebody to listen to me. I need Jesus all day, every day, all the time. My prayer life, I, I believe my prayer life is, is constant. It's something that, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. If anything, he's going, oh, you again. <laughs> but that's not who he is. Aren't you thankful that he doesn't say, oh, you again? He says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. <sighs> the next plague, the plague on the grain, the hailstones that destroyed their fields. God was dealing with what we steward. Addiction takes on many forms in our lives. I was thinking about someone that I had heard about that had a bunch of stuff. And there was an encounter with police and I thought to myself, why would someone do that with their stuff? Why would someone have so many things and it dawned on me that that was the only pleasure, the only thing that they could find comfort in was buying another this and buying another that. I want to remind you, Christian, that Jesus saved your soul for eternity, but everything you do in this life is now in submission to him as king of kings. You cannot just save a part of your life, everything down to your wallet is now under the blood. Amen? We are to be conduits for blessing, not containers, because containers grow moldy and waste away.
I want our church to be so generous. Interestingly enough, also the grain as the Lord dealt with was one of the primary functions of the Israelites. The Bible tells us that they were brought in and they were commissioned and they were enslaved to build storehouses for Pharaoh's wealth, grain being one of those main things. Joseph, all the way back to Joseph, would build storehouses to keep the grain. God in this plague removed the workload from Israel and plundered Egypt's wealth. Finally, the plague that dealt with what we serve. The question is, where does our loyalty actually lie? Finally, the time had come for true separation. Israel, in an act of worship, made a sacrifice that made them ready for freedom. Egypt and Pharaoh was left with nothing. They lost their captives. And after 400 years, it was worship that set Israel free. Think about it. This is before the sacrificial system. This is before the tabernacle and the temple. This is before any of that. This was the first church service that Israel had. This was their first worship opportunity to make a sacrifice to their God, to the great I am, the one that would deliver them. The instructions were clear. Take your best and give it to me. Put the blood on the doorposts and, and above it. Separate yourself from Egypt because death and judgment is coming. So how did they separate themselves? They separated themselves through worship. They were in their homes worshiping while God was over in Egypt dealing with the enemy. Come on. You see what's happening right now. Right now, I believe and I'm praying, right now we are here and we're gonna go into worship and God's gonna do something here. And out there, God's gonna be dealing with your enemy. So I just wanna remove the doubt if I can. In faith, I wanna make a statement that whatever you deal with here, do not feel when you walk out of here, it's gonna hit you because God has enough power and enough anointing here to help you around an altar and deal with your enemy over there. Hallelujah. I'm gonna ask the musicians to come. If Israel's worship made way for a miracle, then our worship is gonna make way for deliverance for a miracle in your life. I've never thought about this before, but I saw this actually in the 9 a.m. service was the first time that this struck me. That if a lot of the workload that the Israelites had was the grain and preparing for harvest and building the storehouses and, and doing all of that, if that was a lot of the workload, and I think of the Passover and I think of how much time it took for them to prepare the Passover and all of the regulations and doing it exactly right. And I think of all that that had to happen. It wasn't like Pharaoh gave them PTO. Take a few days. You guys are gonna telework for the next week. No, 
What God did in the plague that destroyed the fields was create freedom for the Israelites to have time to worship. You may not agree with me and I don't care because it doesn't change the truth of the message that God made a way. He afforded the Israelites an opportunity to worship by his power. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to go ahead and get in place. Here's what we're gonna pray for. I wanna remind you the truth is what will set you free. The truth is what will set you, set you free. And it's not me telling you. It's you acknowledging in your own heart that you're struggling and you're facing some things that you cannot overcome on your own. These people are here to stand with you in faith. The pride and humility will come when you walk forward and say, pray for me, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. I struggle with pornography and I struggle with alcohol. I struggle with, with depression. I struggle with being, having a rebellious spirit. I struggle with anger issues. I struggle, whatever it is, whatever it is. Today is the day that Pharaoh falls. Today is the day that Satan falls. Today is the day that we put the devil on notice that you are free because the truth has set you free. And whomever the sun sets free is free indeed. Truly free. I want to read this passage of scripture and then we're going to go into worship and I'm going to invite you to come. The second most important part is the fact that your freedom, your deliverance, your hard heart will be solved by being full of the spirit. So if you're here today and you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, they can pray for you for that as well. Two things, I need deliverance. I need to be full of the Spirit. You may, you may have experienced that at one point in your life, but man, it's been a hard life. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard few months, and you need the Lord to touch you in a very special way. Listen, here's what I want you to encourage you with. Don't walk out of here the same. Verse 5 in Exodus 14, when the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all these Israelite slaves get away? They asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot, called up his troops. He took with him 600 of his best chariots along with the rest of his chariots and their commanders. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. You know what that means? They had had it. They were slaves no more. They were gonna be free. But how quickly did they walk out that the seed of doubt crept in. The Egyptians chased after them, verse nine, and all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots and charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with them, with the people of Israel who were camped beside the shore. As Pharaoh approached, hear me people, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen? We were still in Egypt. 
We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Friend, tell me, let me tell you something. This is the seed of doubt. This is, this is what your heart right now, you're, you may be wrestling internally saying you've prayed about this before and nothing's happened. You've prayed about this before and nothing's happened. Well, friend, the God of heaven and earth by the power of the Holy Spirit wants you to be free today. Who in the world would say, let us leave us alone and just let us be slaves? Here's what Moses said. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians, the enemy you see today, you will never see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. The Lord himself is ready to fight for you. Are you ready to allow him to give you victory? Are you ready to throw your doubt to the wind and let faith take over? Come on, stand and worship. If you want to pray with someone, come on up. Believe for miracles in the house today. Lord, have your way right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, set people free. Fill them with the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
just said you are mine The enemy thought he had me Jesus said you are mine The enemy thought he had me But Jesus said you are mine The enemy thought he had me But Jesus said you are mine The enemy thought he had me But Jesus said you are mine The enemy thought he had me But Jesus said you are mine Can you use your words and worship the King of Kings right now? Come on. I know it's strange if you're not used to it, but you need to open your mouth. You need to open your mouth and worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is worthy. He is the Redeemer. He is the all-powerful one, the great I Am. He is the healer and, the, and, and, and he, is, he is the sacrifice upon the cross. He is resurrected and He is alive. He is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present all the time. He loves you in your sin and wants to set you free from it. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You deserve our praise. You deserve our praise. The very word has spoke everything into existence. The one who holds it all together. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. If you are not using your words to praise the Lord Jesus right now, I want to ask you why. Has he not done enough for you? Has he not done enough for you? Come on, let's worship the Lord. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Come on, let's worship the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Just brag on him right now. Just brag on him right now. You're a good God. You love me when I don't deserve it. You care for me when, when I miss the mark. When I call out to you, you listen, and I'm thankful for that. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for the power that the Holy Spirit brings in my life. Thank you for allowing me to live in this life. Help me, God, to bring you glory in everything I say and everything I do. May my actions and my words bring glory to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to go back to the enemy thought me had me. Picture, if you would, for just a minute. 
the might of Egypt bearing down on the backs of those Israelites. You see, they were mad because they lost their workforce, but they were also mad because they lost all their stuff. They plundered Egypt on the way out. The Bible tells us that. Not only that, they lost a lot of people. The Bible tells us that when the Israelites left Egypt, they marched out like an army, but they also had a bunch of Egyptians with them. Because there were a whole lot of Egyptians that realized that their gods were nothing compared to the great I Am. And very early on, you saw a God who was inclusive, who said, take care of the foreigner. Take care of the one that is with you. If they choose me, then you will make room for them. So you have the chariots of Egypt bearing down. And then you have the Israelites stuck between the sea and their enemy. And I love it. I love it. Let it, let, let it give you hope today. Just picture for a moment. They go out on the other side of the Red Sea. And they look back at hundreds of chariots bearing down on them coming through the waters God why why are you letting come through the waters do something and then in a moment the wind which by the way wind is a picture of the Holy Spirit the wind that separated the waters stopped and the enemy was destroyed can you imagine the celebration come on the enemy thought he had me but Jesus Say, you are mine. Hallelujah. But Jesus said, You are mine. The enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said, You are mine. The enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said, You are mine. The enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said, You are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, You are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, You are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, You are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, You are mine. The enemy thought he had me. Sing another in a fire. Hey, church, 
No, y'all don't go anywhere. Come back. Listen. Kelly and I went to a thing last week and there's a buffet that we would eat at. We sit at the table and eat our plate and then we wanted more. So we'd go back to the buffet and get more. But if I sat at the table, I would have never got more. I don't know if you need more, but God is saying he's here to give you more. I don't know what you got plans for this afternoon. Honestly, I don't care. Because this is not about me. It's about you saying, I want more. And so we're going to give you a window. We're going to sing another in the fire. One more worship song. These people are here. If you want more, get up off your table, get up out of your table and come to the buffet and eat. Eat of the Lord. Take in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't do this hardly ever. So if you want to receive a special touch and a special anointing, and I invite you, come and receive. Lord, have your way. Have your way right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be first. Is a grace where the heart is under fire. Know the way where the walls are closing in. And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. It was another in the fire. get your kids and come back go get them come on back come on let's keep playing let's keep let's keep worshiping if you want to get your kids and come and pray go get them let's go
Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come on, just stay in His presence for a minute. Satisfies. Thank you. Come on. So come on, man. The space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be
We present ourselves with our doubts, our words, our mistakes, our imperfections. We present ourselves, Father, we give ourselves completely to you. take control of everything that is happening around us. For you to take control, Father, of our situation. For you to take control of our lives. The things that we can't handle. The things that we don't want to let go. Father, would your fire fall in such a way, Father, that it burns everything that doesn't agree with you in our lives. Would you take control Father, because we hunger for you. We thirst for your presence. There's something I have to share that I can't hold anymore. The Lord's just been prompting my heart to share this. And I'm like, God, give me an opportunity. If that's what you want me to do, if it's not me and it's you. And he keeps giving me opportunity after opportunity. Come and get prayer for deliverance for all types of things, but if you struggle with self-hate, if you struggle with self-harm, I want to talk to you for a second. Now the only person that even knows this about me is my husband. Last year I struggled with self-hate and even to the point of self-harm but guys God delivered me from it fully and totally and he answers prayers and he can deliver you from self-hate he can deliver you from self-harm from the deepest, darkest depression, from the deepest, darkest anxiety. It is so real. And God cares and he sees you. And the song, I wanna go back into the song, no longer I who live, but Christ in me. Cause that song is a big part of that testimony. Cause it's no, longer us who live it's him in us who lives so no matter what we're struggling with no matter what the enemy throws at you it is him that can bring you back to life in the name of Jesus and I just want people that believe that with me this morning so if that's something that you struggle with come get prayer I believe that he wants to heal you today in this place. Lord, bring delivery. 
boldness, God. Bring boldness, Lord. Bring boldness for prayer. If there's someone next to you that you just want to ask prayer from, if you don't want to come up and get prayer at the front, just ask the person next to you to pray. God wants to heal you today. feel sorry for Egypt that's in the past their time has come and gone look instead at yourself what binds you what distracts you what will ultimately lead you away from deliverance sometimes we look at the story and we consider that Pharaoh lost his firstborn son in that last plague and many in Egypt did as well Father in heaven gave his only begotten son so you could be free. So on the backside of this experience, you, you, you may need to make some steps. You may need to do some things. You may need to text that relationship that's toxic and say, I'm done. You may need to clear your cabinets out and throw the bottles away. Stop running to it whenever you Feel the urge. We have programs here, of course, on Sunday evening just for all those things, addictions and different things. Victor and Linda can help you walk through those things and great people teaching those classes. Get free. Stay free. The truth will set you free. The Son will keep you free. Amen. In John 8, There's a phrase 
that I didn't mention at the beginning that is very important and it says you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings you will know the truth and the truth will set you free we've got to make sure that we're following his teachings that we're following the word that there is a change in our lives and so Lord I ask you today that you would do something that lasts Lord, that this group of people here in this room right now would become a mighty army, free from all of those things that so easily entangle us. Because God, with a holy army that's following hard after you and trusting you to do great and mighty things, I believe you can accomplish so much for your glory, not for ours, but for yours. Help us, help us now to have something within us that has an expectation that you're going to use us in a mighty way. Because the things that trip us up are now behind us. They're buried in the Red Sea. And when we look ahead, we see your leadership and your guidance. Help us, Lord to follow after you all the days of the rest of our lives. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you.